All right, I told you this morning is going to be a little bit different, but one morning I'm tremendously excited about. This morning, if you will turn with me to the book of Jonah, we are going to look at the entire book. It's four chapters. I've asked Zach to read for us. Uh, there'll be times that I'll interrupt him. He knows that I will to kind of give us a little bit more information about what is happening. After each chapter, I'm going to t- kind of... Uh, I tell you the rest of the story. What is happening? What does this say about God? What does this say about Jonah? What does this say and point to Jesus? And really for us, what does it mean for us? What does this say for us as God's people? So um, you, if you turn with me to the book of Jonah, you'll, if you don't have your Bibles, the words will appear on the screen behind me. But before we begin, will you please join your hearts in prayer? Let's pray together. Our great God, we are here because of who you are. And Father, we are set free because of what your Son has done for us. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that fills this room with your presence, reminding us of who we are in Christ and reminding us that it's our life's call that you would be glorified in us. Father, we need to hear from you this morning. Father, we need you to speak to us as a tender, compassionate Father to children that are prone to wander. Father, you need to speak with such clarity that it goes beyond my sinful words. They're your words. So would your spirit come and would you touch Zach's tongue and would you touch mine? Father, would you open up our ears to hear the sandaled feet of a carpenter? Father, would your spirit come and shine light into our minds so that we would be able to understand what this story is all about? Father, would you so work in our lives that your spirit would change us, that we would be more like your son, Jesus. Father, we would leave here on mission. On mission being in submission to you and be on mission for your kingdom. We pray that all that is said and done brings you glory. And you would give us great challenge, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. One little side note. This morning as we look at Jonah, it's a familiar story. And, And for many of you, You'll want to wrestle with that. Did Jonah really get swallowed by a whale or a fish? How can that be? I want you to know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time arguing the veracity of that. I believe it to be true. It's God's word. As I read through scripture, God does amazing things with fish. I mean, he feeds 5,000 with two of them, 4,000 with a few of them. It's amazing. And I truly believe the story is true. But today, our goal isn't to see the veracity of the story. It's to see what does God have for us in the story. So as we read it, let's be mindful it's God's very own word. Zach. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. You've got to notice that he's not fleeing from Nineveh. He's running from the Lord. 
When God calls us, when God commands us to go, wherever we are called to go, it's not running from that place. Ultimately, when we're in sin, we run from the Lord. And he was heading in the opposite direction from where God had told him to go. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break apart. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Isn't it during those moments of life where things of life and death, you can see what really matters? A report that comes back, it is cancer. Realizing a child is suffering. It's those times in life where we realize what is really important. And here in a life and death situation, that which might have been precious cargo is quickly cast aside. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Unbelievable that we have someone who doesn't believe in God. Someone that we would say is a pagan going to one who has belief in God, waking him up saying, pray for us. Pray for us. Maybe God will have mercy upon us. Church at Orangewood, we should have a heart for others that is continually lifting their needs up to God. This world needs for us, those of us by God's grace who know and love Him, praying for those who are lost and in peril. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for all this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? From what country are you? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. I'd love to know about that conversation. I mean, I I don't know what, you know, Scripture doesn't tell us exactly what happened, but we know that Jonah's running. He's going to get on a boat, boat. How do you tell people, by the way, I'm running from the Lord? How does that come into the conversation? You know, maybe, hey, where are you going? What's your business? What are you doing? I am fleeing from the Lord. Oh, great, come on board. We're rather glad to have you. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up. Throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah 
and they threw him overboard, and the raging seas grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. One thing we see, I want you to see so clearly, is who is God? God's going to reveal himself to us in the story like he always does. And God's going to be the hero in this story like he always is in every story. If you're reading the stories of the Bible, look for the hero. You're going to find the hero when you find God. And what is this hero God? What does this scripture tell us about this hero God? The first thing we see is this. He's a missional God. He's a God who from the beginning of time created the heavens and the earth all to display his glory. All that was created, you, me, all of the hills, the mountains, the seas, all of this earth was created as a showcase for God to display who he is and display his glory. And as we read the bigger story, as we see this story in context of the story from Genesis to Revelation, we realize that God is a missional God. And this missional God is going to choose us to fill this earth with his glory. Wherever there's brokenness, we're to go. Wherever there's darkness, we're to go and to shine. Wherever there are those who don't know Jesus, we are to go representing him so they'll know the joy and the life, surrendering their life to Jesus. I'm so thankful that he's a missional God. If he wasn't, he would leave sinners like us to perish. We don't deserve his mercy. We don't deserve his love. But unbelievably, the character of God is this, that he would so demonstrate his own love for us that he would send his own son to rescue us. When we realize the plan, what we got to see is this. It's been God's plan from the beginning that the whole earth be filled with his glory. And the A plan is for us, those of us, by God's grace, who acknowledge that God exists, that embrace Jesus as Savior. He wants to use us to fill the whole earth with his glory. But then... We have a God who is missional, but a prophet of God who doesn't care about Nineveh. It's probably understandable. I mean, Nineveh to us doesn't mean anything. It's an ancient city. But to Jonah, it meant a lot. Because Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians are the ones that were famous for the way they had violence and war, for the way they raped the women the way they plundered their enemies, how violent and vile these people were. It's the Assyrians that will eventually take Jonah's homeland and bring it into exile of Israel. When you hear the word Nineveh and you are an Israelite like Jonah, you immediately have some wrath boiling up in your stomach. You immediately have some bitterness that is deeply rooted in there. Because these are vile, nasty people that have killed your people, that have raped your women. And Jonah didn't care about them. Maybe we need to look at 2 Kings. And and let me make a note, we're not going to look there today. But 2 Kings 17-19 through 
talk about the Assyrians coming into Israel and attacking. And as we get that background, we'll probably understand why Jonah broke out in a rash when God said, go to Nineveh, and he decides, no, I'm going to go the other way. I hate these people, Jonah said. It's uh, in that story where a king named Hezekiah was taunted by a king of of Assyria named Sennacherib. And he came to Israel. And here's what he said. It's, it's in uh, 2 Kings 18 and 19. Incredible story. He gets on the wall of the city. And he says in the native tongue of the Israelites in Hebrew, we've wiped out every town. We've wiped out every village. We've taken every woman we wanted. We've taken every bit of plunder we wanted. And do you think your God's going to save you? Do you think your God's any better than any of the other gods that we've just mowed over? We're coming after you. And we're wiping you out. And your God ain't going to stop us. If we get that picture of what was happening, Jonah was about the same time, um, same time as the Assyrian Empire. He hated him. Jonah basically said they could go to hell. I don't care. They deserve it. They deserve to burn. And you realize that God is a missional God who cares about people even in scary places like Nineveh. This would be like going to the 9-11 victims and saying, you know, I believe God's calling you to go into the Al-Qaeda camps. I believe he's calling you to go and preach good news of a compassionate God, a merciful God, who wants to forgive your sins. Now we get a little bit of Jonah's attitude. I don't want their sins forgiven. I want God to rain down hell on these folks. I also was really challenged to think that the way Jonah is acting is the way that sinners usually act. Now listen, here's a big picture. God calls us to fill the whole earth with his glory. But you know what we want to do? We want to build our own city. We want to, we want to just have the comforts of home. We want it just to be about us. I mean, don't, don't really bother me about a world out there. I've got too many things to worry about. And this is where we see Jonah's sin. Jonah's sin is he didn't care about the Ninevites because he only cared about his own stuff. He wanted to build a city for himself. You know, it's amazing. We're going to see in chapter 4 is this. He says he wanted to stay home. You wonder why he wants to stay home? Because he knows God's compassionate. He wants to stay home because he knows God's merciful. His stuff was too important to him to care about somebody else. You see, he wanted God as a part of his life, but he didn't want God to be Lord of his life. Because if God is Lord of our lives, if we surrender our lives to Christ and we let go of all this stuff that we have, we realize it's pale in comparison to knowing and loving Jesus. And really the ultimate call for each of us is to be an ambassador for Christ and to go wherever he sends us. But I'm convicted in my soul of how much my stuff keeps me where I am. And how much I love my own name and my own reputation and my own stuff and how materialistic I am. And really, it's the stuff around me that makes me not even think or care about those who are perishing. How is it with us, Orangewood? 
I mean, do we, do we have God's heart for the lost? A missional God that's going to send us to places like Nineveh with good news? You see, it's been a tough week because I've, I've had to repent. I've had to say, God, I, I don't care. Your pastor doesn't care for the lost. Pray for me. Pray that my heart will be broken. That I'll see people the way God sees them. That my stuff won't be so important that I just don't care about your stuff. That I'll be missional. And that we'll be missional. That we will realize that it's more important to fulfill the great commission and go into all of this world to fill this place with God's glory. To build our own Babel. Our own city. What kills me about Jonah is I never realized how much he's like me. He didn't care. Because he only cared about himself. Can you read chapter 2, please, Zach? From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet, I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you. To your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. It's one way to deliver a prophet. (laughs) Thankful I don't have to come up on stage that way ever. Mm -hmm. First thing we see in chapter 1 that's God's emissional God, and what we got to see in chapter 2 that it just sings to your soul I don't care if you don't know Jesus yet or if you've been loving Jesus for a long time. This should really, really sing to your soul. Because the end of chapter 2, it says this, our missional God, it's our missional God who is salvation. And it's an interesting uh, use of the Hebrew here. It's salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It basically is saying salvation is the Lord. When you think of God, Do you think of a God who is salvation? That is 
who He is. Every fiber of this great infinite being desires to save and rescue the lost. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's His that He graciously gives to those whom He chooses. It's His. Before time began, Scripture tells us that for some unfathomable reason, a loving God would place love on sinners like us. But He would place a unique love on His own because salvation belongs to the Lord. And before time began, the Father would choose for Himself those that He would say, they're mine. They're my family. I love them. And then, because salvation belongs to the Lord, He would send His own Son, Jesus, to come and rescue His lost sheep. Because salvation belongs to the Lord. It's His. And Jesus would come and say, I've come to do my Father's will. I've come to seek and to save those that are lost. And I'm not going to miss one. My sheep, they'll know my name. I'll know their name and they'll recognize my voice. John 10 says, and they will follow Me. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Those whom before time began, the Father decided to love, even those in Nineveh are going to be saved. And those that the Father has set a love on before time began, that Jesus would come to rescue, He did rescue because salvation belongs to the Lord. It's, it's God the Holy Spirit that will come to sinners like us, dead in our trespasses and sins, and give us new life. Give us the ability to believe. And so that we can have great peace with God. Why? Because salvation belongs to the Lord. It's amazing grace, my brothers and sisters. It gives reason for us to sing. Because we realize, take Him out of the equation, we're dead helpless. He's not part of the equation. He is the equation for salvation. Good news. Good news. God's missional. Good news. Good news. God loves sinners. Good news. Good news. Anyone who will come after Him that He gives the grace to come, He will in no way drive away. But salvation we need to see from start to finish belongs to the Lord. Then we see a prophet of God who is humble. You see, Jonah's worthless to the Lord until he's humbled. And even then, he's not really good. We'll see in a minute. You see, it's, let me tell you, each one of you, you may say, I don't have certain gifts. I don't have certain abilities. It's not about your gifts, your abilities, your strengths, the things you're able to do. When it comes to being used by God, it's all about our humbleness. It's all about our availability. It's all about our brokenness before him. Saying, God, I don't get it. I can't do it. He says, you're right. I understand that. That's exactly where I want you to be. You see, God loves a broken heart, a repenting heart. Only then, only then, only then will we be useful to God. In our arrogance sometimes, we think like we could do something. But salvation belongs to the Lord. May He humble us. And for those of you who feel like you're in the belly of the fish today, you feel like your life is ebbing away. You feel like, can God hear me from where I am? I've, I've, I've run. Life is consuming me. I love the fact that God heard the cries of Jonah. 
in the depths of despair. That's our God. If you're here this morning and the depths of despair are engulfing you, know that God hears. Know that God loves and He's missional. Then ultimately in this, in every chapter of this, we've got to see Jesus. You see, Jesus is a humble prophet who was in the belly of the grave for three days to secure salvation for God's children. When Jesus walked the earth, they said, give us a sign, Jesus. We want to make sure we know who you are. We want to make sure you have credit, uh, that you really are from God. And he said to this, this perverse generation is asking for a sign. The only one they'll get is the sign of Jonah. You see, Jesus was a greater Jonah that didn't spend three days in the belly of a fish, but spent three days in a grave. Because of God's wrath for sin, your sin and my sin, unlike Jonah, he didn't run. Unlike Jonah, he went willingly. He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to do that which you sent me to do, Father. I'm going to rescue those lost sailors. I'm going to rescue those lost in Nineveh, those lost in Maitland and Altamont in Orlando. I'm going to come rescue them. And like Jonah, I'm going to be thrown into the heart of the sea of wrath. But unlike Jonah, it's going to be the wrath for all of mankind's sin. I'm going to bear that on the cross. I'm going to suffer a death and be separated from the Father so that we don't have to suffer death. So that we don't have to be separated from the Father. This is good news. This is a greater prophet. This is one who says, I'll go in to the grave and come out in victory so that we can have life and life abundantly. Is that an incredible prophet? See, Jesus came to give us peace. Peace that we can never obtain with the Father. God is a holy God who can't wink at sin. He has to deal with it. The wages of sin is death every time. Yours, mine. But Jesus says, I've come. I've come to step into the storm so there'll be peace. Peace with sinners like me who really don't care sometimes. Sinners like me that really it's more about me than it's about you. Sinners like me that want God just to bless and let the rest of the folks do whatever happens. He says, I've come to rescue you and to set you free so that we can have peace with God and peace with one another. Is that not good news? More of the story to come. But we're going to let our children go to junior church. But we're going to remind each other. This prophet named Jesus did something greater than the prophet named Jonah. He really did get peace for us with a holy God. So as we worship, let's remind one another of the peace we have in Christ. May the peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Please greet one another. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Have you ever wondered where hell and brimstone messages come from? 
This is it. What a loving message. <laughs> 40 days, you're destroyed. Toast. That was his message. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes and covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. But do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Can you believe that Jonah didn't tell him? Who knows? We have to repent. There was no even hope given to them. The only thing that they were told is in 40 days you will be destroyed. And yet, in God's mercy, as they repented, they turned and said, we don't know yet about this God. Who knows? Maybe He is merciful and compassionate. And the incredible good news for each of us this morning is He is. When God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways. He relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. A missional God. A missional God who is salvation. A missional God who is compassionate and gracious. As these exact Exodus 34, 6, and 7 tell us, a God who is slow to anger, a God who is abounding in love and faithfulness. One of my favorite stories of growing up, one of those stories I don't remember, it has to be told to me. It's a story when I was a little boy, age of three or four. And I wanted to know where my dog went all day. Back in the days, remember those great days with no fences, your dog, you let your dog out and they just roam the neighborhood? Those were beautiful days, weren't they? Nothing to clean up, just go to your stuff. <laughs> Have a good day, don't want to know about it, just come back at the end of the day. As a little boy, I want to know where my best buddy went all day. So I, I thought I'd take my guitar. I think that's the closest I ever got to learning how to play it. Um, Sadly, I never got any better as a three- or four-year-old. And I got my guitar, had my song, and I, I was going to go with my dog, and I was going to follow Barney all day. And I did. You may ask what kind of parents let a little three- or four-year-old out and go with a dog all day. You can ask them that. They're here. I don't know. But pretty soon they notice uh, that I'm not around, and I'm gone, and the police come, and there's a search for Jeffrey. <laughs> Before you know it, here I come in a police car, dog, guitar, <laughs> safe, rescued. <laughs> Neighbors had gathered and they kind of were anxious. And you know, when, when, when the lost are found, you want to really give them a stern lesson. 
What you've done is dangerous. We could have lost you. It's a, it's a dangerous world out there. But instead, my mom hugged me. And she loved me. And she embraced me. And she was rebuked. She's rebuked by a neighbor and said, you should spank him right here. Just let him have it. That's how, that's how Jonah was. You should spank him right here. Just let him have it. I mean, God, that's God that's really that compassionate, that's slow to anger. Luke chapter 15 tells us about two lost sons. One we call a prodigal. And one's an older brother who was dutiful. Who tried to find his father's favor by obeying and not really being close to his father. Didn't even really call him tender terms. You know the story, possibly, of this prodigal son that basically comes to his father and says, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want your stuff, but I don't want any relationship with you anymore. I don't want you to speak into my life. I want to go do what I want to do. I don't want to hear what you want to tell me. I want to go live and live abundantly. And he went. And unbelievably, the father said, I'm going to give you my inheritance as if I were dead. I'm going to be brokenhearted, but I'm going to send you away. And he went and he tried to find everything he could in life. In the arms of women, with popularity, with friends, with wine and drink, his life just ebbed away. And he realized, i got to go back to dad. Because really the servants there have enough. And if I could only go back to dad and say, I'm no longer worthy. I'm, I've, I've disgraced myself. I'm, just, give me, just give me a little bit to eat what you give the, servant, the servants and I'll be a servant. But there's a God... It's like that father that likes to run to sinners like us. And doesn't even wait for us to be able to even get out. And I'm sorry, I've just taken the family name and I've dragged it all through the mud. But this father, this God of ours, he's going to run to sinners like us. He's going to throw his arms around to sinners like us. And he's going to say, let's party, let's party. All right, kill the fatted calf, put a ring on my son, the identity, put a robe on him. This is my son. I thought he was dead. He's come back. He's here. Let's throw a party. That's our God. Listen, rejoice. God loves to party over sinners like us coming home. Have we lost that? Jonah did. He's like the older brother. The older brother's ticked. He's like, what are you talking about, Dad? Don't throw a party for him. Don't get excited about him. I'm here laboring for you. And you're going to get excited about him? You haven't thrown a party for me? That's Jonah. He's that older brother. He's that Pharisee. He had forgotten about God's compassion. Let me ask you, do you really think God owes you compassion and loving kindness? Because I do. I read these stories, I think, I'm not like that. I'm a Christian boy. I'm an ordained minister. I love the Lord. He owes me compassion. He owes me mercy. He owes it to me. Oh, I'm a lost sinner. By God's grace, loves. If I'm any better than those Ninevites, I miss it. Apart from God's grace, apart from God's grace, there go I. There you go, too. You see, what we have in this is you have a, a prophet of God who preaches a lousy sermon. And it was a lousy sermon. Believe me, 
I've preached my share. This was a lousy one. 40 days, you're going to get killed. Doesn't tell them about compassion. Doesn't tell them about repenting. Just says 40 days and it's over for you all. You know what he didn't have? He didn't care about the people he was preaching to. There was nothing in Jonah's sermon about God's mercy and compassion. And truthfully, he didn't care about the people. I care about you. I really do. I love this church. And sometimes caring hurts. Sometimes I wish I could just preach and not care about if you listen or not. Sometimes I wish I could just come in and love on you and didn't go home and forget about you and your problems because they're too messy to handle and I can't fix them and I get overwhelmed because I can't help enough and I can't preach well enough for us to really get the gospel, to really have our lives changed inside and out. And I say, God, can I just stop caring for a little bit? He says, can I? Can I? And the question is, do we really have compassion on people? I mean, seriously, I mean, do we, do we, even the things we do for mercy and justice, are they for ourselves? Or do we have that missional God's mindset and heart? He cares for lost people. Jonah didn't get it, but you know, there's a, there's a prophet named Jesus. And guess what they called him? called him a friend of sinners. They called him a friend of sinners. Jesus is his name. Friend of sinners because he felt comfortable with drunks and prostitutes and those that the society had rejected. He felt comfortable with those that others didn't show any compassion to. His name's Jesus. You see, what we have in the gospel of Christ is a father who runs to sinners. Amen? What we have in the gospel of Christ is a son who would die for sinners. Amen? And what we have in the gospel of Christ because salvation belongs to the Lord is a Holy Spirit who will give new life to sinners. New identity. New purpose. New meaning. New joy. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious And compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? He's angry because God is compassionate. He says, I wanted to stay home because I knew, I knew, I knew you'd relent. I knew you'd be merciful. I knew you'd rescue him. I didn't want to go. So he's angry because of God's compassion. Jonah went out and set at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, 
sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a gourd and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the gourd. (laughs) But at dawn, the very next day, God provided a worm which chewed the gourd so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. He said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the gourd? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. How do you say it is? How do you say it? How do you miss that whole thing? Is it right to be angry about a gourd? It is. Yes, it is. And I want to die. The only thing he's happy about was the gourd. It's the only time he's been happy. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this gourd, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight. And died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? We see we have a missional God who is salvation, who is gracious and compassionate. And there's such good news that we have to also see here today is this, a missional God who is concerned with lost souls. God is concerned. Listen, God is concerned with the plight of those who are lost. God is concerned with those who do not know Him and have not embraced Him as Savior. God has a concern for lost souls. And then we have Jonah. A prophet like me. Prophet, maybe, no, a prophet like you, who was concerned with creature comforts. The first thing he does is he gets ticked and he goes to the edge of the city and he's going to sit and watch. And you know what he's watching for? Destruction. He's pulling for destruction. Come on, God. Just rain it down. Rain it down. You want to know why? Because Deuteronomy 18 says this about a prophet who says something that doesn't come true. He's not a prophet of God. And Jonah's reputation is on the line here. Jonah's name's on the line here. He walked three days around this city and he says you're going to be toast in 40 days. And if it doesn't happen, Jonah's name might be marred. Forget God's compassionate name that should be praised. Jonah is worried about his ministry, his reputation, and his name. It's unbelievable that he is very happy about a gourd. Billy Graham wishes in his finest hour to have been as successful as Jonah was. I mean, this is unbelievable. This is the most pagan city going in it with a lousy sermon and all of a sudden having even the king repent. You would be talking about, you're doing seminars because of this. I'm telling you, you are, you are, you're more famous than Joel Olstein. I mean, this is unbelievable stuff. 
You're doing the circuit. You're doing the tour. But instead of being excited about what God has done through your ministry, unbelievably humbled that he used you, you are happy about a gourd. Because it provided a little bit of relief for me. It's nice. It's central air conditioning. Got to have my AC. Got to have my comfort. He was more happy about a gourd than a whole city repenting. And he was more concerned with that gourd withering than lost souls. How is it with you? I'm like you. I like my creature comforts. I get angry without air conditioning. I'm not pleasant to live with if things aren't done around me that make me comfortable. Truthfully, I'm like Jonah. I care more about me and my stuff. And I do about souls. Pray for me. How is it with you? It's just the stuff that's so consuming to us, Orangewood. It's just the stuff. You know, it just so easily becomes about us. And we say for Christ and his kingdom is not about us. And we're going to be missional. And we're going to be a city on a hill. And, but, you know, it's just all that stuff. God, just don't take away these comforts, you know. Don't, don't make it too hot. Don't make my iPod jam up. I mean, I, I need that DVD and that high def. Listen, it's me. God have mercy. But there's a prophet named Jesus who weeps over great cities. Who will go to a city like Jerusalem and weep. There's a prophet named Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost like me. Who's weeping over our city? I mean, who's, who's brokenhearted over our city, over our country, over our world? And we are the light of the world. We are the A plan. May God break our hearts. May we weep. May we weep. Have we forgotten how? Has it just been too much about us that we've forgotten how to hurt and to see it in other people's eyes? Is it just too much? Jesus has come for sinners like us to come and to set us free. He says, now I'm going to rescue you so you can be a rescuer. And I'm the chief of sinners that needs to be rescued. But there's good news. Jesus has come. And for those of you, by God's grace, whose life have intersected with this man Jesus and his ministry, and you've been set free and your sins have been forgiven, Now he says, I want you to be a rescuer. I want you to go. Not about your creature comforts. It's about my glory. I'm a missional God. I I am salvation. I'm gracious and compassionate. Go, and I'm concerned for souls. May he be pleased with us as we go. We're going to ask uh, the ushers to come forward and take our offering. Uh, There'll be a time in this song for us to really do business with God. Say, you know what? I repent because there's more of Jonah in me than I'd like to admit. Let's pray together. Father, 
It's hard. These stories are hard because these stories are a mirror into our lives. And Father, if we're honest, we're going to find that our lives look more like Jonah than we want to admit. But Father, we thank you that the hero of the story is not Jonah. The hero of the story and every story of the Bible is you. Because you are a missional God, a loving God. A God who is salvation. A God who is gracious and compassionate and long-suffering. A God who cares for lost souls like us. Thank you for your son that's rescued us. And thank you that he's rescued us so that we could be rescuers. Father, we ask your spirit to come. May we repent of the things that we're holding near and dear that aren't yours. That are in the place of you. Use these tithes and offerings to advance your kingdom to a world you love, a world your son came to rescue. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.